all the, throughout the morning, it's been, it's been powerful. A beautiful worship, Sister Linda and the worship team. And then, um, man, did you see the, 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 the traditional testimonies, Christmas traditions? The one with Pastor Danny, when they showed him, you notice how all of a sudden clouds came up? That was an indication of how he was going to be raptured. And then it was almost as if the Lord changed his mind. Whoa, man. So, uh, I don't know what. And then Lewis, what a, Pastor Lewis. See Lewis up here? Oh, what a beautiful thing to see. People finding their place, especially in our youth ministry, and uh, positioning themselves and finding their place. And like Brother Juan said earlier, they're the next generation. Amen. Um, well, I'm going to be sharing this morning, and uh, I want to thank... Uh, the Lord for this opportunity so if you came this morning and you came here excited to hear Pastor Kevin and you came here man because we how many we love the way Pastor Kevin preaches and teaches and I, I, there's been times where I come I like there's been times where I've come throughout the years and I'm excited to hear him excited to hear his you know how he breaks it down and I'll send someone else to speak I'll be like man you know sometimes a guest speaker and but then God shows me that, you know what, I, I could speak through other people too. How many can say amen? And that's what God does this morning. And I, I counted a privilege this morning. I want to thank Pastor Kevin as well for this opportunity and the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning. We're going to be uh, going to the book of Colossians. I think it will be on your screen uh, this morning. Colossians chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading few scriptures first one starting in verse 6 Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 so then just as you receive Christ as Lord continue to live in him rooted and built up in him strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanks thankfulness See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you once again, God, for all that you have already done throughout this morning. We thank you, God, for prayer. We thank you, God, for the petitions. We thank you for the, for the wonderful worship team, my God. And there is no doubt in my mind, God, that your presence is here and you desire to speak to us here this morning. You desire to uh, speak right into our lives and challenge and motivate, my God, and ultimately draw us closer to you, my God, so that you can come closer as well. We love you here this morning. We praise you. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. amen. You can go ahead and have your seats here this morning. Now, this morning, I find it nothing short, and I'm sure you will agree with me, of a miracle that out of millions upon millions of people here in this world, that God has chosen you and I. God has chosen you, our, you and I by our name, and then right above that name, he has graciously allowed us 
the title, to take on the title of being a Christian. Instantly from the time we accept Jesus into our, into our lives as Lord and Savior. And from the time we begin to profess his holy name. And if you're here this morning and you haven't done that this morning yet, I'm here to tell you that today is your day of salvation. Not to mention how we're privileged to acquire his saving knowledge. To grow up in, a his, in our salvation. To spiritually develop. To mature. To go from spiritual milk to some solid food. And I'm not just talking about a bunch of head knowledge here this morning. I'm not just talking about a bunch of knowledge. Because I know guys, I've done time with guys in the past that will tear us up with the knowledge that they have in the Bible. Amen. So that's not the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of knowledge that produces application. Applying God's word right into our very lives. Implementing his saving knowledge right into our lifestyles. Producing a clearer definition of the title Christian within our lives. Jesus says in his word, he told his disciples, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. I love that word. That puts them into practice. Amen. In other words, the one that trains, the one that practices, the one that, that steps out onto the field to strive to get better, that man is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And I'm talking about the rock of Jesus Christ here this morning. Are you hearing me? Amen. What, what a privilege. What a tremendous honor. But never forget what a tremendous responsibility here this morning if there's ever a time in this day and age where christians need to own that title take that title to heart are you hearing me this morning amen the time is now the time is now to capitalize on the title christian that lingers or hangs over our very name here this morning amen now this morning i want to talk to you about saying no to compromise because compromise promotes a slow separation from what I just finished talking about. Compromise promotes a slow separation from God and ultimately wants to strip the title out from over our head. As a matter of fact, it wants to take, take, it so, take, take the title to the point where you don't produce stuff out of your lifestyle here this morning. Are you following me? Compromise means to settle by mutual concession. It also means to make a deal. It also means, and I tripped out on this, to find a happy medium, to give and take. It also means to accept standards that are lower than desirable. Compromise is out to undermine. It weakens here this morning. It brings about shame and embarrassment this morning. Compromise brings into a brings one into foolish, reckless behavior. And it can cause one to become very vulnerable to the point where they function less effectively. Are you following me this morning? Listen to me. The pull of the flesh, the pull of the world, 
The pull of Satan, his very self, is upon our sinful nature every single day, my friend. But I'm here to tell you that it is no longer, or should be, no longer our master. Amen? Man, that should have been a good place for an amen. I feel like I'm in the home again. Huh? Compromise that speaks less of Jesus, my friend. The church of Jesus Christ should stand up against it. Huh? The world is running rampant with a spirit of compromise. If you look at this world today, and if you really look into the world that we live in today, it is running crazy with the spirit of compromise here this morning. Homosexuality like never before. Murder on a steady incline, not on a decline. Not just in our urban neighborhoods anymore. Not just in the barrios and the neighborhoods. I'm talking about murder on a steady incline all around the world. Amen. From the highest neighborhood to the lowest neighborhood, you see murder taking place on a steady incline. Spousal abuse continues. Not just in the neighborhood right here. Amen. But in all throughout sports, you see guys beating up on their wives and giving them black eyes and knocking them out in elevators and things like that. I'm talking about compromising here this morning. Lying like crazy. Lying nowadays, amen, is like the thing to do. Huh? I've caught people in so many lies recently. Lies is like lie, lie, lie. No, man. Lying is a spirit of compromise here this morning. Amen. You see it all over the news. You see it all over TV. You see how it's taught, how it's indirectly preached. Lie, lie, lie. Are you following me this morning? Stealing. Huh? Still people getting, I mean, come on now. All kinds of fires just recently happened. And you got people looting those people's houses. That's crazy. That's so insensitive. That's so disrespectful. Because the spirit of compromise is, in cons is consuming the world that we live in today. Huh? Immorality on social media. Don't let me go there, man, this morning. Things that are not supposed to be paid attention to, looked at, read, for that matter, my friend. Amen? Substance, substance abuse issues here this morning. Huh? Alcoholism, drug addiction. Man, I saw a guy the other day that, I saw, I was, in, that was in the home with me. It broke my heart to see him. You know what he was doing? He was pre talking to the pigeons, man. I'm not exaggerating. He was loaded on heroin, and he was out there. It reminded me of how I used to be, man. And he was out there, like, just loaded on heroin, uh, and he was talking to the pigeons right in front of 7-Eleven. And as soon as he saw me, he got red. And he's all, hey, Pastor Jerry, man. I said, come here, man. And I started giving him. <laughs> Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. No, I didn't do it all like that. It was with a lot of love. It was a little lot of love. You want to know something? When I was done with him, I took him in seven, let him, bought him something to eat. For first, he had a nerd ask me for a couple dollars to make him holler. I said, man, you ain't getting, come on, brother. I said, come on, man. You know me better than this. You know me better than asking me for money. I said, I'll tell you what I do. I'll take you in there and get you whatever you want. I took him in there. I told the man, the man, the man at the register, I said, hey, give him whatever he wants. And he went in there. Brother, you put a little too much. No, no, he grabbed a few things, man, and, you know, I said, no problem. Paid for it. Took him outside. <whistles> you want to know something? Look at God as my witness. Crying. Broken. Amen. Broken. 
Are you following me this morning? Addiction to pornography. Wrong choices and decisions during practical, ethical situations as we live life. And I can go on and I can go on here this morning. But I'm here to tell you that the church of Jesus Christ must see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Stuff that don't have no substance. He says hollow and deceptive philosophy. Stuff that, sh that's, that doesn't have no substance. Stuff that's, that's not meaningful. Stuff that's not uh, a productive stuff that's that doesn't pay pay off in the long run doesn't pay good dividends in the long run he's talking about hollow stuff amen man you see to it that no one takes you captive because how many know the buck stops with you and i here this morning he says man see to it that no one takes you captive that no one grabs a hold of your life man with this stuff that's empty shallow it doesn't have no meaning Amen. It's not going to produce productivity within your life here this morning. Amen. Serious stuff that he's talking about here this morning. Amen. And Paul was talking. Paul was in, in prison in this letter. He's in Rome. He's in Rome in prison, and he's writing to the church of Colossians, the Colossian church there in Asia. Why is he writing them? Because he hears that they're beginning to pay attention to false doctrines, doctrines that had to do with sin, doctrines that had to do with spirituality, amen? And what does he do like any good leader would do? Because I'm sure that Paul didn't underestimate the dynamic and the power of influence. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you don't do, you do the same thing. Don't ever underestimate whether it's negative or positive influence. My friend, influence is very dynamic. It'll take you that way versus that way. Amen. So as a good leader, he catches wind. He hears that, you know what, the church, this church is being influenced in a way that can, you know, lead them down a spirit of compromise if I don't do something about it. And I love it because he has an urge to reach out to them and read the, read the whole book if you get a chance. Beautiful letter to a people that he cared for, that he had a genuine concern for because he understood that I need to reach out to them because this spirit of compromise, this false doctrine, this hollow and deceptive stuff that's not going to take them further down the road if I don't get in the way, is going to grab a hold of their lives. There's a lot of people out in that world, my friend, that believe in Jesus. At least they say they do. There's a lot of people out in that world that would tell you that, matter of fact, I love Jesus. Amen. But they also love the sin of the world. And listen to me this morning. Sometimes this is an issue in the church as well. In order to avoid living in two worlds, you have to avoid living a, uh, living a compromised life. Right is right even when everyone is against it. And listen to this, youth gang. Right is right, even when everyone is against it. And wrong is wrong, even when everyone is for it. Take your Bibles and turn them to Genesis. I'm going to make you work. Turn your Bibles a little bit this morning. 
Amen. Genesis chapter 4. Are you guys following me this morning? This is only my second time preaching with, my, with these glasses, so forgive me right now. Right now, I just looked at Linda and Will and them over here, Tommy, and they were like, look. They're like, I had to fix them. I finally had to humble myself, you guys. For the past, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know how many years now. I, you know, annual eye doctor appointments. 2020, 2015. You got an excellent eye vision, right? But how many know once you turn that 40s? Once you start turning that 40, 40. Oh, all right, brother. You'll be wearing them pretty soon. So once you turn, hit that like 43, 44. That spirit of denial starts creeping in, doesn't it? <laughs> Me and Pastor Kevin, we used to have the, I still do, but I had to get a bigger one, but I still have a couple of those. We've had those for years, the little ones. I can't preach out of those no more. But before I got my glasses, watch this. The last few years, I go to the eye appointment, and uh, the guy, he would ask me, you know, what's going on? I tell him, well, you know what? It seems like the further I pull my, my book away or whatever I'm reading, so I have to keep pulling it away further and further. You know? He starts laughing. And, I, and then uh, a, couple, a couple times, I got sunglasses instead of the glasses. And then finally, man, Start turning at 45, past 45. I'm not going to go any further. I'm not going to tell you all right. Oh, watch this. Yesterday, watch this. Yesterday, I was with my, oh, my work, a helper of mine. He's a painter helper. He's in his mid-60s. So we go to McDonald's, right? And he tells the McDonald's employee, uh, yes, I would like, a, I would like a, a sausage McMuffin with a small coffee, senior citizen discount. So, <laughs> so I look at him. I look at him, right? So I told the lady, yeah, I would like the same senior citizen discount, <laughs> right? But I was jiving with her, and she's all, no, not for you. And I was like, oh, amen, amen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so check it out. This past year, finally, look, when I'm like this, and then people in here, the church would tell me, bro, you need your glasses, brother. You got lost a few times last time. So now, finally, I got some glasses, amen? And I'm happy, man. I can see good. I can see good now. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 4, verse four, uh, 6. I'm going to go through this. I'm, we're pressed for time here. If you do what is right, verse 7, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Right before, the, he's talking to Cain here, and there's no doubt because God knows all. How many can say amen? He knew that Cain already had a spirit of compromise. He addresses his anger problem. He also tells Cain, you know what, settle down, man. What are you all angry about? And then he tells him this in verse 7. He tells him this. Look, all you got to do is do what's right. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, you better be aware, my friend, because sin is crouching at your door. It's right at the door, at the threshold of the door. It's close to you. How many know we live in a world where it's close to us? Right? So then he tells him that. And guess what he does in verse 8? He takes off, goes and looks for his brother Abel, takes him on a little walk, 
and he murders his own brother. Huh? Right after he was forewarned. Listen to me. When you leave this church today, man, remember the title. How many can say amen? Don't be a, a victim. Be a victor this morning. Amen? It is very important. Amen? Be a master, not a compromiser over sin here this morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell him sin. Compromise with sin is no joke. Compromise weakens. Compromise weakens. It gets the best of our judgment. It causes a series of missteps. And it demands for us to give up our best. And if we're not careful, it can ruin one's ability to do what is best. It is a great liar. It wants you to do what you want so that you don't do what God wants here this morning. Speaking of eyes, it reminds me of kind of like a spiritual glaucoma. It slowly covers our perception and our ability to discern truth to the point where we can become blind in our own foolishness. Not to mention how it treads over the grace of Jesus Christ, God Almighty, over our lives here this morning. The same author told the church of Galatia, hey, check it out, after that church was already derailing, they were already off track. And he, same, same guy with the same burden, same heart to reach out, he tells them, look, it's the little bit of yeast that works through the whole batch of dough. When you put yeast on a batch of dough, what does that dough do? It starts rising, doesn't it? Because that yeast works through that whole batch and it starts influencing it. It starts, it starts filling it with all kinds of, uh, of the yeast to the point where that thing gets all blown up. And Paul tells the church that. But then I love it because in the very next verse, he tells them, but I am confident in the Lord that you would take no other view. Amen. And then two scriptures later, he tells them, brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Amen. How many of you are determined this morning? I'm talking about 100% determined and putting some feet to our title. Amen. In other words, putting some action to the title of Christian that hangs over your name. How many can say amen? Amen? Right? How many are determined? You know what, man? I understand this morning that God is, has called me to be born again. That means that I no longer have to live the same life. I no longer have to make the dumb choices and decisions. I no longer have to end up where I used to end up because I understand today that I am born again. I am called to be set apart from the world and the standards thereof and the lack of principles thereof. Today, I am a Christian. Amen? I, am, I have a title over my head, and I am determined to put some feet, amen, to my title. How many can say amen? Right? I am determined to be a man this morning that has standards in my life. I am determined to be a man that has some character within my life here this morning. I am determined and I want Jesus to be glorified through this mortal body, this one-time shot that I have here on earth to live. I am determined to, for God to be magnified through this mortal body of mine. Huh? I don't have time for the back and forth wiggles and games and you know what, you know what, oh, a little compromise here and a little give and take there and you know, a little, a little bit of a, a, man, forget all that. It's not a game. How many can say amen? 
right? I don't have time for that. Happy medium, give and take. Amen. It's all about some integrity. It's all about real. It's all about right. It's all about substance. Someone said it earlier too, and I got it right here. I believe Linda said it. It's all about spiritual fortitude here this morning, right? It's all about best because I understand that sin is crouching at my door and it desires to have me. And you know what? The buck stops with me. Jesus puts the ball in my court and I must master it. You know what? Being gullible and susceptible, that's nonsense. Guartetelas. Cut it, man. How many can say amen? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, in your hearts. I love this scripture, man. I mean, when me and Randall, we used to find scriptures in the home. We used to cry. Remember, Randall? Or we used to share it with each other. We'd be like, man. We'd be like. <laughs> right? But I found this scripture last night. Simple scripture. But look what it says. In your hearts. In your hearts. Revere. You know what that word means? Respect. Revere Christ as Lord. Amen. And I love it because he addresses the heart. He doesn't deal with the mind. He says, hey, man, you know what? The kinds of stuff goes to the mind. You're going to learn how to take that stuff and throw it out. But don't let stuff get to your heart. Revere Christ as Lord in your heart. Amen? So no to compromise. No to defeat. No to setback. No to trouble. No to shame. No to embarrassment. Loss. No happy medium. No give or take. Because compromise here this morning is very, very contagious. Amen? King David, series of missteps. When he fell with Bathsheba, a married woman, gets her pregnant, finds out who the husband is, Uriah. Uriah is fighting on the front lines where he should have been with his army of Israel. What does he do? He calls Uriah out of the battle now watch the series of missteps. He calls Uriah out of the battle because now he, he knows he got his wife pregnant. So now he's trying to give, him being the king, he's trying to give Uriah the green light to go home. Go sleep with your wife. You've been in the war long enough. Go spend some time with your wife. Uriah said, man, the Ark of the Covenant is, 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 is over there. How could I do such a wicked thing? Man, I'm going to stay right. I'm going to stay put. So what does he do? He gets Uriah drunk to try to get him to, you know, uh, maybe stagger to his wife's house, you know, maybe get over there all drunk to his wife, <laughs> you know, hey, baby, you know. What does he do now? The Bible says he stayed on, on, on his porch and fell asleep. So what does he do after that? That's not working. Amen? That's not working. So what does he do? He calls, forgive me, give me Pastor Kip. He calls, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. But he calls for Uriah out of battle. No, 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 I'm sorry. He tells one of the commanding officers, put Uriah on the front lines in the battle. I'm going to send him back to you. Put him on the front lines in the battle where the fighting is fiercest. Why do you tell him that? Because all this other stuff didn't work. So now he's trying to hide his compromise. And Uriah got struck down and died. 
Hã? Moses, second, uh, 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 Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. Moses is there in Egypt. He's taking a walk one day. He sees, one, he's a Hebrew. He sees his Hebrew people, one of his Hebrew uh, uh, people getting beat up on. All of a sudden, he looks around. The Bible says he looked around. He went out and got that Egyptian that was whooping on one of his Hebrew people. And the Bible says he killed him. And as soon as he killed him, he tried to go hide his... He hit the guy in some, in some sand. He hit the guy in some sand. So the very next day, he's taking another walk. He compromised over here. He took another walk. And now he sees two of his own people fighting each other. And he starts telling one of them, why are you beating up on your own people? And one of the guys turned around and said, who made you judge and ruler over us? What are you going to do? Kill one of us now like you did that Egyptian yesterday? How many know people are watching sometimes? Huh? So then the Bible says that from that point on, he started, he started thinking that everybody knew everybody knew right and then what about Peter we know what happened with Peter I'm not, I'm not going to get into Peter's life but I'm talking about compromise but the good part about these three guys they were restored unlike Judas unlike Ananias and Sapphira unlike uh, Saul King Saul who went and consulted a witch instead of seeking out the guidance of God. When it was in, in, the, in, in Ananias and Sapphira's power to act, it was in the Bible says it was in their power to act. They lied. Then they lied again. His wife lied. And we know what happened with them, right? I'm talking about compromise here this morning. And I'm going to close with a few points. I'll try to go through them as quickly as possible. Oh, wow. Okay, number one, number one, we need to grow up in him. Paul says, when I became, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, <clears throat> and I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. See, when you grow up, you start making better decisions, better choices. When confronted with ethical situations, when confronted with right versus wrong, we start making better decisions just as a mere woman or a mere man. How many can say man? But how much more the saving knowledge that we graciously can acquire? Amen. We need to grow up in him. Grow up in him. And as you grow up in him, remember the title of Christian over your head this morning. Are you hearing me this morning? In verse 6, the Bible says here that in verse 6, let me go back to my opening text. In verse 6, the Bible says, So then, just as you receive Christ as Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live in him. So we got to grow up in Jesus. Make better decisions, better choices. Buckle down. Amen. Number 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, and as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Number two, I think we can go deeper with Jesus. Now I'm talking about relationship building. Amen. Now I'm talking about relationship building with God. Now I'm talking about 
reading this Bible. How many can say amen? Now I'm talking about maybe in the new year making it a point, a goal. A couple, two years ago, I set a goal to read one book every quarter. Four quarters in a year, I set a goal to read a, one little book. Amen? Of course, you have to be realistic, but ultimately, we got to get into this Bible. How many can say amen? Right? It's not called to be left somewhere. It's not called to only read it, uh, read it when, we, we, when, we, when we have a pressing situation or we need to grab a hold of a promise. It's called to read, become a daily lifestyle. How many can say amen? The Bible. we got to go deeper. In Psalms chapter, uh, hold on. Psalms chapter 42, verse 7, the Bible says, deep calls to deep. Deep calls to, be, be, uh, to deep. The best antidote to avoid compromise is to fall in love with Jesus. He is your first love, my friend. Not your wife, not your, your fiancé. I love that nowadays. A lot of times you got guys, she's my fiancé. Amen. Not your fiancé, not your wife, not that individual. Man, your first love is Jesus Christ. We love because he first loved us here this morning. Amen? Right? I think we can go deeper with Jesus. Amen? He who hears these words of mine will put them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And I was thinking the other day, you know, praise God for the Bible studies. And you notice how Juan, since he took a shot at me earlier, I'm going to take a look. You notice how earlier during announcements, it was like youth, youth, youth. And when it got to the Bible study, oh, he sat there for like five minutes and labored his Bible study. You hear him? He kept photo and everything of him up here. Right? But then as soon as he got to Pastor Kevin's and Sister Margaret's and everybody else, it was like, we have these other ones over here. <laughs> rather, uh, yeah, you need to come out and support. If you don't, you're in sin. No. Juan's a good brother, man. He's a faithful brother. He reminds me of, of me when I was younger in, the, younger in the Lord. Amen. He's a good brother. He has a good heart. And he's going to go a long way with Jesus. Amen. Number three, and I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I keep forgetting about my glasses. I'm going to close with this. And I'm going to read it for, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time. It's the same chapter of chapter 2. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Number three, God fought for us with his best, and I think we need to fight for him with our best. Amen? With our best this morning. Sometimes compromise gets the best of us because we're just not fighting better. We're just not fighting enough. Sometimes a little more fight, amen, produces the win. How many can say Amen. Sometimes I think we become victims instead of victors simply because of the, the oof or the little extra fight to overcome that thing. Amen? So he fought for us the best for us. I think we could do better in our fighting for him. No another drink is in necessary 
No, another this or another that, another time out there or another date or no, it's not necessary. How many can say amen? And I'm not just talking to the church uh, here in Inglewood. I'm talking about to the man. I'm talking to, to, this applies to all of us. Amen. As every head is bowed and every head closed, I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I can't help but to think about oh, the fable of the frog in the, in the kettle. I'm going to tell you one last story. They say that if you get some boiling water and you take a frog and you throw him in there, that frog will instantly jump out of the pot or that kettle. But they say that if you put the frog inside of that kettle with some room temperature water, and you turn up the heat a little bit at a time, that frog will not become aware of how it's slowly boiling to death. It will become insensitive to its environment. And ultimately, that, that frog will boil to death. Amen? And that's the way sometimes, if you look at today's world, they're like frogs in the kettle. Not thrown with some, some fire, not thrown right into a boiling water, but slowly being cooked. That's the way the enemy is. How many can say amen? That's the way sin is, too. It just slowly cooks, slowly ebbs away at one's life, slowly takes and takes. God is there working hard to build honesty and character and, you know, truthfulness. And he's enabling us to walk the, the, fine, the fine and narrow road of Christianity, and he's He's there reminding us of the title that's there, man, and how we're representing him and how we're doing better. You know what? He allows us at times to look back and say, man, I don't cuss anymore. I don't rob anymore. I'm going to start speaking for myself. I don't cuss anymore. I don't rob anymore. I don't go to prison no more. I don't have no parole numbers no more, no parole officers no more. Are you hearing me this morning? Amen. I'm not sticking needles in my arm no more. I'm not drinking alcohol no more. Man, I'm not beating up on people no more or getting in fights like crazy. I can go on and on this morning. How many can say amen? Right? I can go on and on. And God allows us to look back in hindsight and see the work that he's doing. And compromise is right there, standing at the door, wanting to take that stuff from our lives. It's not worth it. As the musicians sing a song, I want you to come. The altars are open. Let's go ahead and come. I already went long enough. Hallelujah. My hallelujah belongs.